Welcome to the University of Wyoming Today. On this program, you'll hear about what's making the news and about the people and events at UW. You'll also learn about some of the leading research that's taking place at one of the region's top universities. And now, here's today's edition of the University of Wyoming Today. Hi, Jim Kearns with you. With world leaders attending the Climate Summit in Paris, today we'll be looking at some interesting findings coming out of Greenland. A professor will be discussing a long-range agricultural plan for the Wind River Indian Reservation. The Creative Writing Program is getting its own home. And we'll take a look at the contributions of a 19th century humorist. There's a possibility that observations from Greenland will be brought up during the international climate change talks that are taking place in Paris. University of Wyoming scientists have been conducting research there. After being invited a few years ago to join studies led by a team of researchers at UCLA, one of the UW scientists involved in the project is geography professor Carl Legleiter. I think these studies have shed some light on the rate at which the meltwater that's produced on the surface of the ice sheet, which is at at an unprecedented level now. Um, For example, literally right before we arrived in 2012 was the first time that the entire surface of the ice sheet was at least melting to some degree, Um, you know, liquid water, even at the highest elevations of the ice sheet. That had never happened before. The day that we showed up, the river that flows through Kangalusak, the town where we stayed, was just in an absolute raging flood with all the snow water. And that's going into the ocean, so there's a lot of concern over sea level rise. But much of the estimates of sea level rise have been based on model predictions rather than direct field measurements. And that's largely because it's just really difficult and expensive to get up onto the ice sheet. That's geography professor Carl Legleiter. He says those observations, including work by doctoral student Brandon Overstreet, are proving to be very important. Our mission was to make some direct field measurements to try to understand how much water is produced on the surface of the ice sheet. Couple that with observations of the discharge from the rivers that are emanating from beneath the ice sheet and are going into the ocean and see if those match up. Because the other possibility is there's some water stored either internally within the ice mass itself or at the bed of the ice sheet and kind of retained there for some period of time before it's actually transmitted to the ocean. So that could be kind of a buffering mechanism that would actually slow down the rate at which the meltwater from the surface of the ice sheet is transmitted to the ocean. And our study suggests that that is, in fact, the case, that relative to the the model-based estimates may be a little bit too high as far as the rate of sea level rise because they're not accounting for this possibility of storage within or beneath the ice sheet. And that research could result in some valuable information to help scientists figure out how to deal with rising sea levels in the 21st century. University of Wyoming is launching a series of meetings to gather input on a long-range agricultural resource management plan for the Wind River Indian Reservation. 
Geography Professor Bill Gribb is working with the reservation's Water Engineer's Office and the Water Resource Control Board to develop a plan to expand the area's agricultural potential. The reservation is 2.2 million acres, of which most of that is kind of a combination. The majority of it is is grazing lands. But in the uh, river floodplains and so forth, there's good prospects and potential for uh, cropland production. And the water rights on the reservation were pretty much adjudicated with the uh, Big Horn adjudication that started in 1985. And in that adjudication, not only was the amount of water identified, but also areas on the reservation that were what they call uh, practical irrigable lands. Um, and so there not only is the irrigation that's going on currently, but then there's areas what they call future potential agricultural areas that the irrigated system could then access and get water to. And, you know, that's a fairly large area on the reservation. That's geography professor Bill Gribb. He's confident that agriculture can become a viable economic activity on the reservation. Senator Barrasso has this congressional act that, if passed, could bring the financial component so that the irrigation system can be not only um, uh, rehabilitated but also expanded to these uh, potential or what they call the future uh, irrigable lands. So the combination of uh, getting the irrigation system going and getting it access to these new lands uh, could have a great economic um, boom to the, to the reservation. A difficulty would be to uh, make it so that new ranchers and new farmers can get involved in the process. And so that's something that the plan uh, will uh, identify options for the reservation in terms of helping finance new farmers and ranchers. And from the public input they've received so far, it appears Fremont County communities are buying into this plan to develop a potentially valuable agricultural resource on the Wind River Indian Reservation. You're listening to the University of Wyoming Today. I'm Jim Kearns. After 10 years of success as part of the Department of English, the University of Wyoming's creative writing program this fall was elevated to being an independent program. Program director Jeff Lockwood tells us this offers a lot of advantages, especially to undergraduate students. In terms of productivity, in terms of our students, in terms of national profile, um, we've been on a roll, and, and I think the trajectory has been upward for, for many years. So all of that's really positive, and, and I think the reason, the core reason uh, to sort of get independence is to give us sort of the elbow room, the flexibility, the autonomy to begin making decisions um, with that that um, are made internally to the creative writers. Uh, the administrative structure of being embedded in, in a department was a great way to, to begin a program, but once a program is strong enough to stand on its own, there's all kinds of advantages to allowing it to sort of control its own destiny. 
I think we'll have a, a livelier, more integrated critical mass of creative writers. And, and, and I think it'll be wonderful for the undergraduates to interact more intensively and more frequently with the graduate writers. It just occurred to me, maybe we can persuade some of those creative students to write for this program. As the 125th anniversary of Wyoming statehood comes to a close, a lot has been written and said about the men and women who contributed to the state's legacy. But there is one legacy that may have been overlooked, and that's the state's contributions to humor. Charles Rankin, the editor-in-chief for the Oklahoma University Press, was among the speakers at a University of Wyoming conference on 125 years of Wyoming statehood. He reminded everyone of the contributions of the 19th century humorist Bill Nye. He had bumped around in a number of uh, pursuits uh, trying to make a living. Early in his life, uh, flunked the bar exam in Wisconsin and then came to Wyoming and uh, passed it, but uh, became a justice of the peace. But as he said, he didn't make a whole lot of money that way. But what he did find success with doing was in newspaper humor. And uh, he became quite renowned as a humorist in the late 19th century in, uh, in nationally. And a lot of his humor was based on uh, his years living here in Laramie. But in the 19th century, it was, it was very specialized. And, of course, probably the most famous humorist to get his start with newspapering was Mark Twain. There were humorists all over the American West and uh, with success uh, of varying degrees. Nye was one of the most successful. But we wouldn't have expected anything less from a guy who founded a Laramie newspaper named after a mule he called Boomerang. I'm Jim Kearns, and that's it for my time. Thanks for yours. That's it for this time. Join us again for the next edition of the University of Wyoming Today. Today.